Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you again. For your word gives strength. Your word gives light. Your word gives comfort. Your word challenges us. Your word directs us. Your word leads us in the path of righteousness. Your word helps us and gives us strength. Even for the activities of our time. Be so, Lord, our God, we have gathered to hear your word again. And we pray, Lord, that you are away by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you grant us even understanding, a teachable heart, a willing heart, an understanding heart, to put the things we are going to hear and understand today into action. That it might be well with all of us. I pray for myself. I'm just a vessel. I pray that you use me. In the way you deem fit. Take all the praise. Take all the glory. In the name of Jesus. I've been asked to speak on attitude. And disposition to giving. Actually I've been. Thinking since. The program came out. um, What. That thing. What actually. Am I meant to convey. And I've been praying. And um, I was giving two passages, Matthew chapter 5, 23 to 24, and Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 4. The key words here are attitude, disposition, and giving. When we understand these things, it will help us. In what we are doing. And uh, by the word attitude. We understand that it's a manner of thinking. Behavior. Or acting. That reflects one's inward thoughts. Feelings. In other words. Your attitude displays your state of mind. At any point in time. And disposition is similar to attitude. It's a combination of qualities. That identify a person. Again it has to go with the inside of the person. Then the issue of giving. What is giving? We are told that giving is an act of making gifts. Or donations. Personally. On common with other people. For a common purpose. Um, such as. The church. Which we do here from time to time. Charity work. Or for a project. So. I want to look at these things. Closely. So that it might help us. Attitude and disposition, they are paramount 
in all our services. Like I have defined, especially our service to God. And we know that human beings are basically selfish. We are basically selfish. And everything we do is motivated by that selfish desire. I want to take advantage of every situation. And um, if we if we stretch it, we look at what we gain. It will create problems for us. Like students, you ask yourself, why did you come to school? Why did you come to university? Or whatever you are doing. is motivated by a desire to acquire knowledge. And anything beside that will not help. Because if you don't acquire that right knowledge, you will not be useful. But if I ask some of us here, why do you go to school? Why do you, why do you seek education? They will, the answers we are going to get will vary so much. You want to enhance my status. You want a meal ticket. You want to be recognized by the society. This again goes back to that selfish tendency. But if you know that education gives you knowledge, and we know that knowledge is power, then you work hard to acquire that knowledge. The other things will follow. That is an attitude. But some people go to, through education, and they don't get the knowledge, and they come out. They become a liability. That's why people are talking um, that some of our graduates are not employable because of their attitude and the attitude of the lecturers. We don't say the student alone is a two-way thing. If you don't teach well, the student will not learn well and they will cultivate the right attitude. Then, if we take it to a working place, if you don't have the right attitude, you go to work because if you are not there, you will be punished. But if you go to work and realize that you are working to build up the economy of this nation, the attitude will change. I was told that in Japan, they rarely go on strike. Let's say in a shoe factory, the only way you know that they are on strike is that they will making, producing only the left shoes, not the right. They continue producing it. When the strike is over, they will produce the right. That's the people that have attitudes towards improvement of their nation. But in our nation, because of our attitude, it's like this thing we strike. And we hold everybody to ransom. And the authority 
equally has their own share. Because the workers will give them notice. We are going to strike. They say they are not serious. Look at the health care now. It's grounded. And nobody cares. Because the leadership don't have the right attitude. And the workers have their own problems. The same thing affects every other aspect of our life. You call it marriage. You call it church service. If you don't have the right attitude, it's going to affect you. So why do people have wrong attitude? And you don't go very far by looking at it because of the fall of man from the beginning. And after the fall of man, man decided to work on his own. Self became a dominant thing. In man. So, that is a problem. And then, we know that even everybody wants to get right with God. They will go through various means. And many of us who have been privileged to have been exposed to Christianity, we go it the Christian way. But the Bible tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags before him. Because by keeping the church rituals, you cannot get right with God. You have to follow what God says. Isaiah 64 verse 6. It says there, all our righteousness are like filthy rags before him. Unfortunately for us, uh, human beings conceptualize God like human. And that is why we get it wrong. God is even more than spirit. Because God created spirit. So for him to be God, he has to be higher than spirit. If you are just spirit, then you are equal to other spirits. Even though we try to use terminology that we know to describe God. Like we sing more come more. More come more and that type of thing. We are trying to conceptualize God. But people... In working with God, try to use their, what they call number six, to work with God. And you think that God will accept such type of service. We maneuver our ways and show what they might call the mask we wear all the time. The one we show in the chapel or where Christians are. And our real self, when we are not with our brethren, that is the real self. Just like a child, you caution them, once they see you, they respect you by doing that you tell them to do. But their real self is the other way around. But if that real self is now made to think rightly then things will work out 
So, what are we saying? Man looks at the outward appearance of things. While God looks at inside. In the world today, people are, there's a cliche. They say, you are dressed how you dress. That's common in Nigeria. Not be so. But that is a wrong concept. That's why we see um, this, uh, what they call them, frost stars. They will dress so gorgeously. And you think that it's somebody, when it's not some, when it's nothing. I remember when I was DJ, Hotman Men Board. Actually, I fell prey to that. Somebody dressed so gorgeously. I said, you come to college salary of a doctor. I said, who? Who are you? What you know? Are you a doctor? He said no. I said, who are you? He said, the driver of that doctor. Because he dressed gorgeously, I thought he was a medical doctor. And that's what you see all around. Because of the outward appearance, we don't know what is inside. And uh, this has created a lot of problem both in the secular world and in the Christian community. Take, for example, I want to mention one thing. I'm still talking on the attitude. I won't mention the church, but I was in a service somewhere. The then governor of Enugu State, Chimaroke, he was to come for a harvest. And we waited and waited and waited. We, the service started. And they said the first two rows or few rows should be reserved for him and his men. The service ended and the benediction was about to be said. He walked in. What annoyed me so much was, I'm sorry, clergy, the clergyman, a, high, a very senior clergy, told him, Your Excellency, come and read the first lesson. I said, if, if I were to be the bishop, I would remove license from that person. And actually, he read the first lesson. He read the first lesson. And after reading the first lesson, he said, I am... I'm told you people are doing harvest. Um, um, I'll give you 100,000 naira. They clapped. And then they said benediction and we left. I was angry inside. Attitude. We respect people for whom they are. Is the governor higher than God? This is the problem. We have wrong attitude and it affects Everything we are doing. And James told us, don't have respect for people. Somebody will come and he didn't dress well. My friend, sit down there and sit down on the ground. And then somebody got just dressed. Ah, come in, come in, come and sit at this padded seat. He said, are you not judging? Are you not differentiating between brethren? This is not so to be. That is, we are being carried 
like the men of the world. This ought not so to be. Attitude. So this, this goes on. We know that when God was looking for another king after Saul was disqualified, we don't blame Samuel. He was carried away. He saw somebody very tall, very robust. Ah, this is the man. God told him, it's not the man. You look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So what is your heart like? But what determines your attitude and determines the service you give to God? The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10, it says, The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Thank God that someone that understands it. God understands our hearts. So what can we do that will affect, to affect our attitude positively? The Jews asked this question to Christ in John chapter 6 verse 28 to 29. They asked him, what can we do that will do the works of God. So what can we do. To have the right attitude. To serve God. He told them. Believe in the son. Whom he sent. And the same thing. The same question is for us today. So this calls for. A regeneration of the heart. Today politicians. And government. Come with what they call. Attitudinal change. You have heard of that. Attitudinal change. And the slogan today is. Change begins with me. But does it really begin with me? There are other slogans. In the past. War against indiscipline. Mamsa. So on and so forth. But has things really changed? It, it has not changed. The lasting change has to start from the inside. Because the carnal man cannot please God. Romans chapter 5, verses, eight, verses 5 to 8. And if you cast our mind back, the Lord gave his status to the Jews but their services did not please him because of their attitude and disposition. Hebrews, two, Hebrews 4 verse 2 Christ came to bring about the regeneration of man for an acceptable service to him. John 1 29. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Titus 3, 5 to 6 tells us that we are saved by regeneration of our inside. And so, the Sermon on the Mount, like I said, is the code of conduct 
for the sons of the kingdom. Why we live here on earth? Because when you pass on, this does not apply to you again. So, the code of conduct is for us while we are still living. In the passage we are considering, you find that in that Sermon on the Mount, the law usually said it was said of old. But now I say unto you. Because he was telling them the spirit behind what was said of old. Therefore, we need to be born again in order to have an acceptable service to God. But the question now is, why should we give to God? Psalm 24 verse 1. Another one, Psalm 59 to 12. Why should we give to God? Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein. So why should we give to God when he has everything? Psalm 59 to 12. Psalm 59 to 12. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your foes. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all its fullness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, it's elaborated in this passage. God has everything. So, why should we give to God? And um, he found out that God makes a demand on us to know what is in our hearts. To know what is in our hearts. For example, you have a little child. I want to teach him to give. You give him a, maybe a biscuit and say, can I take? The normal thing is to say no. That's the normal thing. You have to start teaching him to give. And that is what God is doing for us when he makes a demand. So that he wants to know what is in our hearts. God is the first and the perfect giver. Hence, we should emulate him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3, 16. And in 1 John, 1, 1 John 3, 16, he said we should love as God has loved us. So I can even give our life for our brethren. How many of us are prepared to do that? That is love. We now begin to ask another question. Why, there are some reasons why people give to God. You want to belong. You want to belong. In those days, 
people don't go to the front to give their offering. They pass the plate around. But I don't know what entered the clergy. Perhaps some people don't give. They now say you dance and make sure you give. Um, that is a bit of compulsion. <laughs> that is a bit of compulsion. Because if you don't go out, they say, ah, this one, God didn't do anything for him. So, but it's not from inside, like we read in the first lesson. Some give to be recognized. To be recognized. I view this pulpit. And you inscribe your name there. So that for generations to come, they know you are the one who built the pulpit. I know of a, a diocese where the man, somebody said, nobody should bring a kobo. I'm going to build the cathedral. It's a dangerous thing. And I'm sorry the bishop allowed it. And the person builds a cathedral. That means he's above everybody. Whatever blessing, whatever thing will come, he will carry it alone. But on the negative side, he will be controlling the diocese. Um, in the Old Testament, they give as obligation. God told them to give as obligation. You find it in Exodus 23:15 and the book of Leviticus, various types of offering, uh, sin offerings, white offering, all these things. It's one of the books that I find difficult to understand. And in Deuteronomy, some give what they call seed sowing. We'll come back to that. Some give a thanksgiving appreciation. Some give to, to support the project and for charity. In the passage of considering Matthew chapter 5, verse 24, 23 and 24. It says there, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and go your way first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gifts. Um, I don't know whether we saw this in our Bible. And I don't know how many of us practice this very thing. That's why I'm saying that God is interested more in your heart than your gifts. And for you to understand the whole thing, because it's a long discourse, it started from, from verse 21, on and on and on, to 26. That's where you understand what Christ was saying there. And the summary there is peace and reconciliation. Peace and reconciliation. 
The funny thing is that we try to do things the way we like. What Christ was saying, if not, not if you have ought against somebody, but you come to church and find out that somebody has ought against you, better leave that church you go and reconcile before coming to the church. It's much more important than coming and sing hallelujah and dance and dance. I don't know how God will view that as service. So reconciliation and peace are more important to God than your offering. And let us begin to practice this code. It will help us. We are told in Hebrew chapter 12, live peaceably with all people. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Three, two Sundays ago, this issue of peace was elaborated. Last Sunday, it was elaborated. And it's coming up again. That means there is something. We should try and make peace with people. Because we have one opportunity. And once it leaves, we will not be able to gather it. And we know that unforgiveness is one of the most deadly things. And Christ hammered on it in Matthew chapter 7 verses 18 to 23. In Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 4 which we have read here Christ was warning against advertising our gifts our giving. Why? He says if you do that there's no heavenly reward. You advertise, people will know it and tell you, well done. That's, you have gotten your reward. But heaven counts it as zero, if not minus. We should emulate our God. When God comes to bless you, does he announce it in the radio? Does he announce it? It's his blessing that will announce what he has done. It's the gift you give to, you give out, that will announce what you have done. So we should begin to emulate our father. When he is doing something, he doesn't announce it. It's the action that announces his, himself. Also, remember that whatever you have is a gift. Whatever you have is a gift. Therefore, you should not be, you know, you should not make noise about it. Because it's not your own. It's not your own. You are given to you to handle. By advertisement. You provoke sometimes envy from people. And in our society today, their security is at risk. 
Ah, this man has so much money. And um, it tantamounts to hypocrisy. We see here, today, there are print and electronic media announcing some of these charitable gifts. Even by the church. Uh, sometimes when we want to give Christmas gifts, we call it here. That they are giving to the widows. They are giving to the poor. And they will carry it. You pay them to do that too. You have to ask whether it's right or wrong. It's for you to judge. Um, politicians do their own for selfish gains. You have the radio. They are doing um, democracy dividends to people. Because the election is next year. Before, by 2015 to 2016, what have they been doing? Because the kingdom children should not follow their ways. We should not follow their ways. Because it will not help us. What of selling of offerings? Bazaar. Bazaar sells. Going, gone. Going, going, gone. What about professional fundraisers? What do you have to say to that? I won't expand because of time. We think about it. What about professional fundraisers? You know there are professional fundraisers in the church? If you want to raise 20 million, you tell you the amount. You have to give to him. I will come and raise it in your church. That will come motivational preachers. What of moving people to do pledges? Which sometimes are not redeemed. And the Bible warned us against making pledges and not redeeming them. What about multiple offering? I think I want to use my home church. And sometimes we go to church, we do offering six times. It's mama, Sunday offering. A gift offering. This, uh, uh, we had to meet the, the vicar and say, why? He said, they are not bringing enough. They are inducing people. They are not giving from their hearts. Then we are able to manage it so that they give two times. But he warned us that if he doesn't collect enough, he will revert back home. That is, we are inducing people. They are not, and I remember in my home church, after the first offering, they go there, please, can we give us change? Because the person had decided, I'm going to give 50 naira. If you divide offering to five times, you give 10 naira. You know. So, let us help ourselves. Let us help ourselves. Um, so, what about the seed sowing? Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, praise down, shaking over, running over, shall men give to your bosom. People have taken that. They are, they are sowing so that God will give to them. 
I give one million. God will give me ten million. Is that your attitude? We should give to God because of whom he is. Because what he has done in our life. That's the right attitude. I don't want to mention the church again. That is in the so-called altar, but it's altar. They are giving testimony. A police officer said he did altar, but it's altar. His altar was speaking for him. And he won a contract of one million. And the vicar said, don't you see it? Altar business altar. From where did they get that passage? Where in the Bible did the Bible talk about altar business altar? Which altar are you talking about? You see, a lot of erroneous teaching has entered into the church. And we are carrying them on like that, as if nothing happens. Let us go back to the early Christians. The epistle we read, because of time, I will not go into it. It talked about how brethren get Paul, the Macedonian churches. They were being persecuted. They were in poverty. But they were still able to give. How did they give? The Bible says, they first of all gave themselves. Not their gifts. They gave to themselves and then their gifts. And God accepted it. So, he said there, make up your mind ahead of time what you are going to give to God on a regular basis. So, it's not when the time is open. Anyway, why is it? You look for the least denomination. That's not fair. We hear, they ask us to pray and think about what God has done for you. You think so many things. And what God has done for you is what in Naira. Let us think about it too. According to our brethren. So, let us, and the other one, there is this issue of prophetic declaration. Somebody will just say what he wants. And he calls it prophetic. There was somewhere I know. Where somebody. Where somebody said. Um, the clergyman. That was then. By then. Mercedes was a high vehicle by then. So somewhat out of his sweat. Got a Mercedes at Newe. He was living in Newe. And then one of these. Um, this new generation churches. He said, Verse soldier in Nawa, I carry go me far. As the man of God, I carry go me verse So that thing pricked the man with the Mercedes. He said, How can I be running Mercedes? And my man of God is writing verse And he took the key and gave it to the man. Not because he wanted. But because of this motivational speech, you know, preaching, the man had to do that out of, I call it compulsion. Not from his heart. Let us avoid that. But on the other hand, the people who work to, for God should eat from their work. And 
the work of God has to be funded by the children of God. Gone are the days you have to go to unbelievers to go and raise money to do the work of God. Not these days again. God has to use you and me to do his work. I thank God for this church. God don't make so much noise about raising money. But money does not prevent doing what we should do. But if, if you haven't understood it, you should understand it. God has to use you to do his work. If you don't, you will get his money and do his work. So, be fully persuaded on what you have to give to God. There are a number of things we just have to ask ourselves as we give. Examine yourself. What is your motive? I've talked about that. Give yourself first. Have a willing heart. How much sacrifice is there in your offering? You check Second Samuel 24, 24. David said, I will not give to God what does not cost me something. Is the sacrifice you do in your offering that determines the weight of your offering, not the amount? Do not give grudgingly, but cheerfully. We have had that. Amount to be offered is as God has prospered you, but should not be below the cost of a sachet water. You know the cost of sachet water? That's the least thing we can buy. You should ask for grace. Of giving. Second Corinthians 8, 7. We see the first offering in the Bible. That is in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 to 5. That's Cain and Abel. Why was Cain's offering rejected? We are not told in Genesis why it was rejected. They say God accepted the one of Abel. And rejected the one of Cain. But when you go to Hebrew. Chapter 11 verse 4. We understood it there. That he didn't offer his own with faith. Well just, uh, just anything goes. So our offering has to go with faith. For God to accept it. Another thing we have to talk about. Even though time is against us, is the so-called widow's might. Widow's might principle. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. Many of us will give a little token. Ah, this is my widow's might. It's not true. It's a lie. Ah, this is my widow's might. It's not true. Go to that passage. The widow gave everything. And Jesus said, look, look, look. These people were given out of their abundance. But this woman had given everything she had. So don't use that word carelessly. Because some of us have the, have the might of the widow principle. Not many of us, but we use it carelessly. And this is my widow's might. 
It's not true. Praise the Lord. Benefits of giving. Benefits of correct giving. You go to 2 Corinthians 9, 8 to 14. And summarize it. It says, when you give correctly, the needy are blessed. The giver is blessed. The glory goes to God because you are living as a true disciple of Christ. The work of God is promoted. Like we are talking about evangelism somewhere in Okunano. It requires money. Work of God requires money. But it has to come from a willing heart. And so when we give rightly, God will bless both the person you give and yourself and the glory will go back to him and we will all rejoice. Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time we have shared your words. We plead with you, our God, that you indeed create in us a heart as of thine, that we may love you and love your work and give to your work, giving of ourselves, giving of our talent, giving of our time, giving of our resources, and uh, for the promotion of your work. Help us that we might give cheerfully, for indeed you are well pleased. Grant us all this. As I pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' precious name. Amen.